And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby, and in the studio with me, Molly Mayo and Professor. Can I call you Professor? Sure. Professor Colin Smith. Yay. Okay, we're going to look at the book of Hebrews today. And um, you're teaching Hebrews here at the Master's Guild. And today was your second day. Mm-hmm. So um, Hebrews chapter one, let's go, let's start it. Um, I want to ask you a quick question. Um, there's no signature in the book of Hebrews. Um, do you think oh. Paul wrote it? Ooh. Uh, we went over that yesterday. Did um, you really? Interesting. Yeah, I think the question of who wrote Hebrews is not nearly as interesting as who Hebrews was written, written to. to. Mm. Ooh. That's the real interesting thing, I think. Okay, well, let's And the, I think if you figure out who it's written to, you can probably solve a lot of the who wrote it puzzle. Okay, so let's let's hear it. Who who do you, who this, did this author write it to? Well, I don't think it was Priscilla, <laughs> because uh, he, the author refers to himself as a male mm-hmm. in the masculine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've ruled that out. I don't think it was Apollos. Mm-hmm. Wait, and, so who are the popular oh, authors? Like the theories? Paul. Well, Paul is one. Um, you got Barnabas. Okay. Apollos. And maybe Priscilla of a Priscilla and Aquila, oh. and uh, you know some people attribute it to an unknown mm. um, apostle, unknown person. Mm-hmm. Um, but God there's varying opinions, and there is no signature on it. And I do have a theory about that. Me too. Yep, I have a theory. Um, but more importantly, uh, who is it to? Because uh, in chapter six, there's this part where it talks about these people didn't know who God was. Hmm. And they didn't know some particular things here. You go to chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, the author gives you an Im- indication about who these people are by talking about them. He says, mm-hmm. Therefore, laying a, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment, and, and this we'll do if God permits. Mm. So... What he's talking about here and what you see with the audience here is that this particular group struggled with some issues. Um, Particularly, they didn't believe in a resurrection. Mm -hmm. And um, particularly, they didn't believe in um, these primary things that Paul talks about. And that gives you an indication. Because of this, a lot of people think it was Gentiles. But what they don't realize is that within Judaism, there's many sects or fractions or or separate groups. We, we call them, they're kind of like denominations today. Mm-hmm. And not every single one of them believed in those things. You know, it's interesting you start with chapter 6 because chapter 6 is by far the most controversial chapter <laughs> in the book of Hebrews as well as one of the most controversial chapters in the entire New Testament because here you've got, you know, which is interesting, these people, whoever they are, they've tasted the good word of God, mm-hmm. the powers of the world to come. Yep. Um, they tasted the heavenly gift. They were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. And it says it is impossible for those who were once enlightened that if they fall away to mm. renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, putting him to an open shame. So just quickly for our, our listening audience before they get too confused, this this chapter in Hebrews chapter 6 is, you know, extremely difficult to understand. Are these people truly Christians that have fallen away or are these people um, apostates they never were saved in the beginning. They had like a, they had an experience, but it wasn't genuine. What, what's the deal here? Well, I think what you have here in this group is you have a group of people 
who came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Know, and, him, know him as their Lord and Savior? Well, they confessed him with their, their lips. And I, uh, what, what happened in their hearts, I don't know. Okay. But they confessed him with their lips, and there was a spiritual high um, after they got saved. Mm-hmm. And then they started to undergo harassment. Um, the author talks about them having their goods plundered oh. and everything taken away from them. And as they were harassed, um, some of them started to feel isolated and alone, and they were started to lose this sense of solidarity and unity they had. Mm. And then they started to become discouraged and disappointed with the way things were turning out. And be- as a result, some started to drift away. And they asked themselves, what's the point of this? Mm. Why am I doing this? What, what good has this Christianity brought me that I didn't have uh, as a formerly a Gentile or a Jew? And so because of that, he, the author of Hebrews says, in no uncertain terms, you can't go back. Christ is greater than all of that. And furthermore, don't go back because hold the faith, hold mm. the faith, hold fast, hold fast. And uh, that's very much like Paul's message to Timothy, hold fast, mm-hmm. uh, don't give up. And that's kind of the point. So would you say that these are believers who are drift- starting to drift away or, th- or would they not have been saved? Well, I think the ones that are drifting away are believers who are coming under persecution. Oh, okay. um, but it's interesting. The analogy the author uses is one of Moses in the wilderness. Um, just as the children of Israel were liberated from Egypt mm. and they had this high Mm-hmm. And then they went through this dry period in this desert and spiritual questioning and mumbling and murmuring and wanting to go back to Egypt because of the leeks and the garlics. <laughs> and they lost sight of the promised land. Uh, the author of Hebrews, he takes that analogy and he says, don't be like them. You know, you had the spiritual high when you're liberated from sin and death and you were saved. And now you're going through this persecution, this hard times. Mm-hmm. And don't fall away during these hard times because there's a promise at the end of it. And don't lose sight of that rest that God promises. And I think that's so applicable today with so many people who are going through so many hard times. And you know how many people are just not returning to church? Mm, interesting. They're just not coming back. They're falling away. And this is why this book includes that, that encouragement. Don't forsake the assembling. Mm, ourselves together. Okay, before you keep going, I've got to – because this – this has always been a difficult passage to understand. Yeah. So chapter 6, verse 4, mm-hmm. it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Okay? I'm going to leave out all the middle stuff. I'm going to go right to verse 6. Okay. So let's read the two together. It, so it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, mm-hmm. verse 6, if they fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Yeah. Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, putting them open shame. So what does that mean? So this all wraps into my theory. Okay. Um, I have a grand theory about who wrote it and who wrote it, who they this wrote it to. This ties into it? It, do- it does. Whoa. So I'll just drop the theory on you, and then I'll re- reverse engineer it and explain why it works. Yes, yes, You're yes. sidestepping the question, but go ahead. <laughs> I think this group of people is the Sadducees. Oh. I think Paul is writing to a group of Christians, mixed Gentiles and Jews, primarily made up of upper-class aristocratic Sadducees in Jerusalem. Hmm. And I think Paul wrote this, and he, he started writing it while in prison. And in 2 Timothy, where he tells Timothy, he says, or he tells the person he's writing to, Timothy, mm-hmm. bring my wax tablets and my parchments. Those are two things used in the writing process. In the writing process, you thought of an idea, you wrote it on a wax tablet, and when you got it right, you wrote it on a scrap of parchment. And then when you had all your ideas together, you would sit down and you would read from your parchment and you would tie those ideas together and a scribe would write them all together. Paul was composing a book when he was about to be executed. Hmm. My theory, and this is what I think, is that Paul was executed before he could 
put this book together? Mm. Luke, Timothy, maybe even Peter, maybe Apollos, all of these people in Paul's clique Mm -hmm. gathered his writings together and they put it down on paper. They didn't sign it because it was Paul's ideas. Mm -hmm. And it didn't sign because Paul was dead. He wasn't there to sign it. Hmm. That's why no signature. So the group, the Sadducees, um, when you talk about them, Uh one of the things they believed, they believed in choice, Mm -hmm. free will. Um, On the other end was the Essenes who believed in fate. We would say the Sadducees were more Arminian and the Essenes were more Calvinistic. Right in the middle is the Pharisees where Jesus was, Mm -hmm. right? So that's why we're dealing with the issue of choice here. Time out, time out. You're calling Jesus a Pharisee? No, um, the closest group to Jesus was the Pharisees. There's a psychological (laughs) thing. Studies have shown it. You argue with the people closest to you. What? When you're you're trying to compete for Uh a certain market, the people closest to you in the market are your competitors, not people in a different market. Oh, interesting. So you end up arguing more with the people who are like you than aren't like you. Mm. And that's why the Pharisees were arguing with Jesus. Because Jesus was appealing to people who, A, had a strong view of the Bible, mm-hmm. B, were socially conservative. Believed in a resurrection. Believed in a resurrection. Mm-hmm. And they had all those things. The Pharisees just lacked that one element, love. They mm-hmm. didn't get that God's motivation was love. Mm, interesting. So Jesus is this unique <clears throat> character because he comes on the scene and he gets um, – Josephus ties him into the Pharisees and says that he's, he, was, uh, he was close to them. Mm-hmm. But all that to say – I think the Sadducees are the ones who, stru- who, who, who believe more in free will, and that's why you have this passage right here in 6. Mm. Um, that would explain, since the Sadducees were the upper class, the elite, the aristocrats, the nobility, that would explain why the plundering of their goods was significant. Not many Jews had many goods to be plundered back then. Mm-hmm. Now, the Sadducees were also in charge of the temple. They were descendants of the Zadokites. You know, uh, Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16.39 talks about Solomon appointed Zadok. Mm-hmm. So they believe strongly in a, a Zadokite high priesthood. So when it says Jesus is the high priest, that fits right in. The theme of righteousness, Zadok means righteousness. Oh, cool. So that fits into this book. All of the Old Testament references fits in because the Sadducees only wanted to use the Torah. So all the references to Moses, the Torah, they all fit w- what would be appealing to a different audience. So the reason the argumentation here feels different than, say, some of the other books of Paul is because Paul is speaking to a very particular group of people he hasn't spoken to before in any of his epistles. Hmm. And he's arguing with them. And so when he addresses in chapter 6 these ideas, they fit perfectly. Not believing in a resurrection? Well, if you read Matthew 22, 23, who does Jesus say doesn't believe in a resurrection? Sadducees. Sadducees. Hmm. When you look at this idea of their faith in God— the Sadducees were the, they were the base level kind of mm. more intellectual, more aristocratic. And, and so believing all these things about eternal punishment, the resurrection, God would fit a mm, convert from the, the wing of Judaism called Sadducee. Okay, so just so our audience can catch up to you. Yes. So chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, there, he's, whoever's writing this, most likely Paul, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let's go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, mm-hmm. faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying out of hands, and here we go, resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment, which the Sadducees would not have believed. Yes. Okay. They on. would have struggled with that. God. Hmm. And, and this will do, if God permit, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift. Are these Sadducees, have, these, have they tasted of the heavenly gift, experienced mm-hmm. Christ? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are they believers? 
We don't really know. Well, here's the thing. Say you're not a believer and you have a false conversion. You've still seen the miracles. Right. You've seen. And this is a, what they're struggling with. They're struggling with the idea that they've seen all this stuff, but they're fading. They're walking. They're kind of being torn. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting because Mark deals with First Peter a lot. But um, this book of Hebrews, First Peter and James are all letters to people who are pilgrims. And they're addressed to people who have been kind of dislocated socially Mm -hmm. from their society. Many of them, and this is why this letter I think is not just to one particular group of Jews. I think it's also to Christians who are Gentiles. Because when you were a Christian and a Gentile, you didn't do festivals. You didn't do holidays. You didn't do any of that stuff. Um, And you were an outcast in your society at large and in your home when you didn't worship at your family altar to your family God. So... The Jews also, you would have been separated from synagogue. So there's a sense of being separated or dislocated from society, being a sojourner, a pilgrim in this land, being an outcast. And I think what happened was they were unified by the work of the Spirit in their midst, and they were excited. But the ones who were just kind of false converts, I think, started to fall away, and it started discouraging the people who genuinely had faith in Christ. Would they have been a part of the sacrificial system? Would they have been— The Sadducees were all the high priests— so really? Zadok, um, they claimed that the Zadokites, which the Sadducees and the Essenes are oh, both descended Sadducees, from the Sadducees, that's the words. Righteousness, Zadok. Unbelievable. <laughs> I just got it. That's the Hebrew word for Zadik or Zadok. That's Hebrew word for righteousness. That's the word for Sadducees. Yes. S-A-D-C. And so during the, uh, the 400 years of silence between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New, mm-hmm. the Sadducees struck a deal with the ruling people, the uh, the kings during that time period, that they would get the temple. They would control the money. And so they were the nobility. They were rich. This explains why why he talks about their sadness of losing their goods, being plundered. Okay, wait. I just want our listening audience to, to get this. And so in the Old Testament, the word sadiq is the word for righteous. Okay? And in the New Testament, you got this word Sadducees and the sad, Sadducees, that sees... Mm-hmm. That's that's a uh, the k sound in Hebrew, mm-hmm. so it's sadik in, in for the word Sadducees. It's a part of the Hebrew Hebrew. It's the same Hebrew word, and so mm-hmm. so these people notice this at the end of verse at mm-hmm. the end of verse um, six. It says, "Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, putting him to open shame." Would they have gone back to their sacrificial system? Yes, this is why it deals so much with sacrifice and high priests. Because these are a group of people who believed they were the only ones eligible to be high priests, mm. according to the Zadokite faith. And so this is amazing. They owned the temple as far as the ability to tell people what to do and this and that. And so the, the Sadducees were the nobility. They were the, the priests. But they how, were the priestly group. How, how often, though, do people who have been... You know, they've experienced Christ. They've experienced the church. They've experienced fellowship. They've experienced the power of the word of God. Okay? That's what it says. They've experienced all these things, but they fall away, and then they go back to crucifying the Son of God afresh. They go back to the sacrificial system. But how many people go back to their old ways of, you know, comforting themselves, redeeming themselves Mm -hmm. in their old old Mm -hmm. ways? Television, food, drugs, alcohol, pornography. How often do people go back to their old ways, and if they stay there, yeah. they're going to stay stuck, and they're never going to be able to come out of that. So what, what, what is Paul telling these people? How well, to, well their, their system they grew up with, their heritage is that the sacrificial system of killing bulls and goats was the only and the sole manner in which God could be worshipped. And along comes Paul. 
And he says that, that Jews and Gentiles are both made right through Jesus' death. Mm-hmm. And that changes everything. So that's so much harder to deal with in reality because you're dealing with a God who loves you and who reconciles you and his son, and you're dealing with a person, the son of God, than it is a system where you just pay your tithes. Mm-hmm. You give mm. your this. You, it's duty-based. It's not love-based. Mm. How many people are in churches like that today? Yeah. You know, where they, they're caught in that tradition of works. You know, you know. Listen, listen to this, Colin. I think this would be a good place to to end this part one of Hebrews. Um, look what it says here. This after it, it talks about, um, you know, that you can't. If you're going to go back to your old ways, you're going to go back to your old system of trying to, you know, pay for your own sins. You know, a lot of people are there's cutters today. People cut themselves. Yeah. Uh, listening to um, uh, Todd on uh, Wretched Radio, and he had a man on there, and they were talking about. Um, where people actually cut themselves so they bleed so they can atone for their own sins. Mm. Kind of interesting. Um, So people go back to their old ways to kind of like bring comfort to, you know, to just comfort their their guilt and shame that's in their life. They go back to their old ways. And we that's what we do. You know, to to cover our sin and shame, we um, we go back to the things that bring us at least temporary pleasure, Mm. you know, temporary pleasure. And then it just doesn't last very long, and then you feel you feel awful that you've gone through that, yep. and then you 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 get straight for a while, but then you go back again yeah. and well, back again. Well, for people who are discouraged like that, um, the author of Hebrew offers three really good um, images that mm. kind of move you from discouragement to encouragement. Okay, hold oh, that thought. Cool. Hold, that th- hold that thought. I'm going to let you end there. Okay, so we're going to end with the encouraging idea of how do you get back. <laughs> but listen to what it says in, in Hebrews 6, um, verse um, 8. I love this. It says this. First of all, it gives this warning. If you fall away, it's impossible to renew you again to repentance. Meaning if you stay in that state, if you're going to try to comfort yourself and pay for your own sins, atone for your own sins your own way, it's impossible to do it that way. Okay, that's verse verse 6, because you put the Son of God to an open shame. You, you, you make a mockery out of the crucifixion of Christ. What he did was once and for all. We don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to do anything new. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the cross. Keep yep. your eye on Jesus. We learned that this morning, Molly. Mm-hmm. King jo- Jehoshaphat, you yep. know, he didn't know what to do. It says, what's, do you remember the verse? Yeah, it was actually the one where he said, we're surrounded by a great multitude and we do not know what to do, but yet our eyes are upon you, Lord. Mm. Our eyes are on you. And that's where we got to get people to turn their eyes on Jesus mm-hmm. at the cross um, Fenelon, he always tells people in his writings, you know, keep Jesus the center. Yep. Keep Jesus the center. It was a, I don't know if you remember, um, Pastor Greening, his dad was dying. And I said, do you have any last words for me? You know, he's on his deathbed. Mm. And he said, keep Jesus the center of your life. Mm. You know? And, and that's how cults start. That's where people get off. They go into other religions where Jesus is no longer the center. That's mm-hmm. where you, people get in trouble in their doctrine, mm-hmm. where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a charismatic thing is the high point in the service or go, church government is the high thing. Mm-hmm. People get off on these tangents where Jesus is no longer the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's what it says in Hebrews 6. After it says that, you put him to the open shame. Verse 7, for the earth which drinks the rain that often comes upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessing from God. So all of a sudden, it goes from it's impossible to renew to repentance to this poetic device in verse 7 that just as the rain comes upon the earth 
it will bring a blessing. Mm-hmm. Herbs will grow. And then verse 8, but that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, I love this, verse 9, <laughs> we're persuaded better things of you. Mm. And the things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. He's telling them like, hey, don't get discouraged. This is stuff that you're going through, but don't get discouraged. God won't forget your labor and love, which you have showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. He's, he's saying, hey, listen, you know, it's tough that you're what you're going through, but God's not forgotten what you've been doing to other people, to the other saints. In verse 11, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And I'm going to mm. confess something to both of you. I did not want to be in this, this podcast today, mm. fighting depression today. Mm. Um, I don't fight it very often. I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm having caffeine withdrawals, but whatever it is, just fighting depression. You know, I'm, I'm up in my office reading and studying and really hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, Molly, you texted me about, you know, a podcast. I'm like, oh, dear, I'm just not up to it. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, but that's all right. You know, it, maybe God will use what we have to say yeah. in this podcast. You persevere. You know, I love this. Be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and endurance inherit the promises. Mm. You know, the promises are, are inherited through our endurance. Oh, you know, that's cool. Not always does it, does it have to feel good. Mm-hmm. And that kind of connects with what you were talking about in Bible study because, like, yeah, they, they were looking to God, but it wasn't just like they were looking at him and he just took over. Like you were saying about, like, they still had to get in and be part of the battle. And yeah. then the Lord says, mm-hmm. you know, the battle is mine. And he fought it for them, but they had to put in the work. <laughs> yeah, they had to put in. Okay, so the grand finale, Colin. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so this group of people that um, kind of ex- had this experience with Christianity where they had a spiritual high when they were saved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they know there's going to be a spiritual high when they go to heaven, the joy of seeing the Lord, but who in the middle face discouragement. And so the author of Hebrews offers um, r- three images to move people from a place of discouragement to a place of encouragement. Okay, wait, hold on. I love this. This is This is so perfect because it it's real in, in my life right mm-hmm. now. Um, and it's real in a lot of people that are listening right now, people that are in, in a state of discouragement and, or depression mm-hmm. uh, or high anxiety, maybe the loss of a loved one or the you know, marriage is on the brink of, of divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever people are facing right now, sometimes when we face that discouragement, we're like, you know, you don't want to go to church. You don't want to talk to other believers. You don't want to be in the Word. Mm-hmm. You know, so, Colin, how, what, what does Hebrews teach us that gives well, us a little bit more e- hope? Even more than that, what you had was a group of people who had a substantial amount of goods, mm. and they were taken from them. And initially, when they lost their properties and their money, they were happy. But then they started to face persecution, real persecution. Mm. Blood was going to be spilled. Mm. And that started to make them very nervous. And I hate to say it, but you know how close we are to that. Yeah, We're, we're there. We're right on the edge. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. And so for those who are discouraged and those who are in the middle between, mm-hmm. um, you know, conversion and, and glory, uh, there's three images that move you from discouragement to encouragement mm-hmm. that the author of Hebrews offers. Mm-hmm. The first is the image of Moses leading the Hebrews through the desert to the promised land. And after experiencing that high of liberation from slavery, mm-hmm. victory over the armies of Egypt, 
uh, they were in, they found themselves in the desert. It was hot. It was nasty. Mm-hmm. It was sunny. Water was scarce. It was a lot of uncertainty about survival. What's mm-hmm. going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Where are we going? You know, they had doubts about God. What kind of a God would lead us to a place like this? Mm-hmm. Why would God make us go through this? What is the point? You know, and they didn't keep their eye on the promised land. Mm-hmm. So when you don't keep your eye on where you're going, you mm-hmm. start looking back. Look at the leeks and garlics. Oh, things were nice in Egypt. Mm-hmm. You forget about the bricks without oh, straw. Wow. Mm-hmm. You forget about the burdens of sin of your life before, the torments you used to go through when you were a sinner, and you start to look back, you know, mm-hmm. on the good times mm-hmm. and the leeks and the garlics. And so the image he gives is the image of Moses leading them through. And the readers had the same experience as the children of Israel. They, had, they too experienced a liberation, liberation from sin, bondage of sin, liberation from death when they were saved and there was a high. And then they too also have the promise of life, of God's rest at the end, mm-hmm. just like the children of Israel had the promised land at the end of their journey. And what he's saying is don't be like the children of Israel mm-hmm. who started to get discouraged in the desert and don't be like them when they started to look back and they started to turn away from the promise and then they were unworthy and they didn't get to enter into the promised land. Um, because if you do, if you do what they did, you'll fail like they failed. So he's saying, don't do what they did and fail. Keep looking to the promised land. Mm. Keep your eyes set on your goal and the promised land and understand that the God who worked miracles in the past will work them again. Mm. Mm. That's good. And so that's the first image. It's that image of we share the same journey. Uh, it's a journey of faith. Mm. And you know, the journey of faith, we see these highlights in the Bible, but we don't see these years in between <laughs> where... God didn't speak to people, mm-hmm. and, and it was just a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, the second image that the author offers to mm-hmm. move his readers from discouragement to encouragement is the image of Jesus as a high priest. And not only Jesus as a high priest, but as their high priest, mm-hmm. who, has, who understands them, mm-hmm. who can be empathetic with them because everything they suffered, he suffered through, and he suffered for them. And it's the image of having an intercessor, Mm. having an advocate, having someone sitting before God's throne pleading your case, and that person being the perfect person, Jesus. Mm. And that, that idea is to say you are suffering, but you have someone on your side. Jesus is there. He's your priest, and his blood is sufficient. So the blood of Jesus is sufficient, not your faith, or the amount, the little, or the great. Mm. It's his blood that paid the price. So when you go through your life and you're, you're discouraged, what are you going to do? Go back from that blood to something else? Is there anything else that can make you clean? Mm-hmm. Only by the blood. What's that, what's that song we sing? Uh, nothing nothing but, the but the blood. blood. Yeah. Nothing Jesus. but the blood of Jesus. So they need, the, the encouragement is that you have everything you need today mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. The final picture is a picture of the journey of faith, the family of faith. And Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Mm. And that picture is a picture that you're not alone in this. Mm. And when it talks about a great crowd, crowd of, of witnesses, witnesses yeah. that's not a crowd cheering for you. That's a crowd of people <laughs> saying, I did it. I did it too, but I only did it by God's strength mm. and God's provision. <laughs> well, what the, the Don't take that away from it's me. It's not like witnesses like uh, a stadium mm. in the sense of the, they're, they are, they're not like, hey, I'm up here watching you run this race, uh-huh. cheering for you. What they are is they're witnesses like, I can attest to the fact that God has worked through me, through faith, and brought me through. Mm. 
Every single one of those people in in this family of faith can attest to you that God brought them through this, Mm -hmm. that God brought Abraham through this. God brought Isaac through this. God brought, he brought all of these people, David. Mm -hmm. He brought them all through it. And in spite of all these things, God was faithful to them and he'll be faithful to you. Mm -hmm. And at the end of all of these people who failed miserably and were sinners, you have the picture of the perfect person, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. who didn't fail. So that when you fail, his, his success is in place of your failure. Mm -hmm. And the encouragement that others have done this too. And God has been faithful to them. We're not alone in this. Hmm. Well, let's, let, let's end in uh, chapter 6, verse 13, 14, and 15. It says, for when God ma- – this is right after that whole controversial section of people trying to do it their own way. And God's saying, listen, don't be slothful. Be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Mm-hmm. So we're not alone, like you just said. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself – saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Mm. And that's what God wants us to do today. Patiently endure. Don't be discouraged. Mm -hmm. Um, We have three images, Moses, Jesus, and a great cloud of witnesses behind us. God brought them through. He will bring us through. It's not intended to be easy. Mm. No. This is not an easy life. The Christian life is not an easy life. In fact, we've got to deal with our sin all the time. You know, when you're unsaved, you don't have to deal with your sin. Yep. You know, you don't even think about it. Yeah. So um, if, you, if you're not saved out there and you're listening and um, you want to have a life of more problems, become a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but let me just say this. But when you do become a Christian and you give your life to Jesus Christ, he changes you in such a way that you would never want to go back because the life of the Christian is glorious. Yep. It's full of blessing and full of rewards, full of a relationship with the God of the universe. Well, that's, that's what Hebrews says. It says God is what? He's the rewarder of those mm-hmm. who believe he exists. Mm-hmm. And them and diligently seek him. And diligently mm-hmm. seek him. Yeah. yeah. So, if you're, so this, this is actually, this book, I don't think Hebrews can be called an epistle. I think it's a word of exhortation or encouragement. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. And so if you're discouraged today, mm-hmm. diligently believe God exists and diligently seek, seek him. Mm-hmm. And you'll be encouraged. Awesome. Again, thank you for joining us at another Fasten Like Nails. I'm Mark Camby. Molly. May God's words of delight, truth, and wisdom be fastened like nails in your lives and ours today. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit fastenedlikenails.net and fill out the form. That's fastenedlikenails.net. from the creative minds and talents behind Lamplighter Theater. I've never seen anything like it. This summer, Lamplighter presents The Lamplighter Guild. A week of mentoring and apprenticeship in the dramatic arts. Learn script writing, music composition, sound design, directing, and voice acting from world-class professionals. Registration for the Lamplighter Guild is limited, so sign up today at lamplighter.net, lamplighter.net.